Hello, welcome back to Metal Gear Guff. Apologise for it being a while, some incredibly exciting things happened that we can't get into for legal reasons. But we're back, I'm back, I'm Sean Casey. Also here is, I think Anna is okay? Yep, I'm over here as well. Excellent, excellent news. It's always, I think these episodes are better when both of us are here. I mean, we've kind of got into a rhythm now, so... So anyway, yes, uh, welcome back to Metal Gear Guff. It's a podcast where every, well, I was about to say every week, but that would be lying. Uh, every episode we cover another two-hour uh, bit of Metal Gear Solid. Uh, me having, I wouldn't want to say Metal Gear Solid expert, because that makes you sound a bit like a tool. Uh, trying to guide my newcomer friends, Anna Turner, through, uh, well, the, the classic video game Metal Gear Solid. And ha- Anna, how have you been finding it so far? Yep, so it has been a bit of a long hiatus for me from playing Metal Gear Solid, so it was quite weird to get back into it. It probably took me a little bit longer than it usually does to make the same amount of progress. But yeah. no, it's been alright. It's been a it's been a nice seeing an old friend. Oh, that's good. Um, so all your stealth all uh, your stealth muscles are still in peak condition. <laughs> Poised and ready. Um, nice. yeah, I was wondering if we should like acknowledge how ad hoc this podcast has become. Um, providing that ad hoc is Latin for no one ever fucking records the podcast. But yeah, I was I was thinking maybe I do feel that I, and I'll take the responsibility here, we, uh, we, we we had certain momentum, we were heading for the big leagues, I think we were, I don't think it would be too big headed to say that we were heading for a kind of a massive cultural breakthrough. Right, um, yeah. And then, yeah, basically uh, stuff happened, and I forgot that I had a podcast on my computer for about three months. Stuff does happen and podcasts get lost because of that. Well, I'm glad that I found episode three eventually, and I will, uh, I'm not going to go on record for pay, uh, saying a date here, but this one will be out um, before the end of the year. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe what we should do is do like a count of three thing where one of us counts to, mm-hmm. to three and then we both say how often we think we should actually be recording this podcast. Okay, do, do, do you want to do the countdown? Okay, all right, right. Well, I've got a side note in my head how often I think we should be doing the podcast. Okay, well, we'll, we'll see where we uh, fall on that. Maybe we should take the average between us. All right, right, right. I've got it. I've got, I've got a figure. Okay, go. Okay, should I count? Yep, you can count. Three... Two, wait, let me just let you know, right? So, <laughs> okay. we're not going to say it on one, we're going to say three, two, one. A B after one. A B after one, yeah, exactly. Okay, right. Right, right, right. Three, two, one. Monthly. monthly? Hey! <laughs> Shit, yes! There we are, right, Metal Gear Guff is going monthly. There you go. Yeah, Metal Gear Guff officially, you heard it here first, is now an official monthly podcast. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yep. So whatever date this goes up, um, exactly a month after that, an- another one will be, and then another month after that, and then so on and so forth for at least twenty-five years. Yeah. Perfect. Yep. Sounds good. Uh, right. So where were we? Uh, I believe. Uh, does anything? What? What other preambles do we have? I quite like the preamble bit because then we we don't have to talk about Metal Solid, which can get a bit uh, a bit depressing. Talk about the other games we've been playing. I could tell you about Love Nikki. We could. I I feel like you could talk about Love Nikki for longer than we. That's true. That's true. I could have a Love Nikki podcast. Okay, maybe we should yeah. we should just get into it. After all, I think we left Meryl kind of shot three times, bleeding to death on the floor when we were last playing. Yes, that's exactly where she was. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Uh, did you manage to help her out with about that situation? Well, to find help, like, to find what would be an improved situation for Meryl. Uh, not dying and bleeding to death on the floor. Okay, yeah, then I definitely helped, yeah. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah, so uh, what I did was I left Meryl, which seems like <laughs> the wrong thing to do in this situation, but either mm. way, it seemed like the only practical way of actually making any progress in this game. Well, so if you've never I... seen those uh, public awareness ads, sometimes the healthier thing to do with someone who's been shot is you just leave them alone for a good few hours. Oh yeah, then they'll probably be fine. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's how it works. Just sort of like, like when something in your house is broken and you just think if you leave it, it might sort itself out. Exactly someone will come along, tidy it away, it'll be fine. Mm. So, I left Meryl, bleeding to death, in a little hallway. And I went back to see the doggos again. Did you have uh, any help getting through the dog uh, cave this time? No, I didn't. Not for that section. Um, and, you know, I do like to do a little bit of research on, like, whatever bit I've been playing after I finish it because right. generally I do know that I, like, nine times out of ten I will play it in, like, the most suboptimal way possible. And it's always right. like, huh, how do people who are good at this game do this bit? Um, and it turns out that there are easier ways. So I think you learned about the uh, the pissy box after the fact. Yes. I didn't have a pissy box. Right, okay. um, I did try to use the box, though. It wasn't that much help, to <laughs> be honest. Uh, it was a lot of flailing. What I really liked about that section was, like, um, so 
snakes like fighting people off animation mm. where he'll do like one punch two punch and then a kick and with the dogs though it really didn't look particularly masterful it looked really flaily like when there are three dogs that you and you're just like huh huh and then like a leg comes out it looks really panicky or maybe that was just because i was reading my own emotions in that situation into it Mm-hmm. But um, for some reason, yeah, those animations took on a slightly more like slapstick um, vibe <laughs> in that section. Right, so you didn't find the scene took on like, more like a horror vibe, because I know that you quite like dogs to an extent. Did you uh, have any difficulty having to beat the shit out of them? Oh yeah, it was horrifying. I, it wasn't quite as bad as the first time I was going through. Mm. Most because the first time I was going through, I had no idea what was going to be in this cave. And it was like, kind of... A two-stage process of well three stage I guess because you're going yeah. in and you don't know what to expect and it's a mystery and then there are dogs which is like oh there's mm. dogs and I'm thinking like we know that snake likes dogs it's part of his whole thing he was off in Alaska doing dog stuff and I'm like oh this would be great and mm. then you slowly realize that the dogs really aren't into you and you have to start punching the dogs mm. and at that point it did take a turn for the dark but this That's time cool. I was fairly like prepared for what I was gonna find in the cave I kind of mentally buffered myself a little bit it's good to know that it doesn't take you too long to just accept having to beat dogs half to death with your bare hands <laughs> um well i guess i also had the knowledge that these dogs are absolute little fuckers <laughs> so they deserve it <laughs> um, of course no creature deserves a flaily punchy kicky animation <laughs> to the face but it was a very frustrating segment of the game that you had to go through four times in a row yeah literally yeah. Although, um, the next time it's okay because you have, like, is it the next time or is it the fourth time where you have the handkerchief from mm. Sniper Wolf? And then that's fine. Like, I didn't have the pissy box, so it was really hard the first, like, couple of times. But once I had the handkerchief, it was fine. That was lovely. That was, like, the loveliest part of the game. It's like, you're just going through a cave and dogs love you for a bit. Mm. It was wonderful. You just kind of wish that could be the game itself. Oh, yeah, that was, like, easily the best segment so far. Um, it was just like Nintendogs for a little bit. Brilliant. But uh, yeah, I also tried to use, because um, I didn't quite get what Sniper Wolf's mm-hmm. handkerchief was for. I mean, I had a sense, because it says like, oh, it smells of her in the item description. And I was like, okay, this will probably be something to do with like her scent, so dogs and yeah. Uh, but I also tried to use it for like, other things as well. So um, there's a segment of the game where Snake had a little, little cold, a little bit of the sniffles, uh, which I empathised with, because I too have the sniffles at the moment. And I tried to see if, like, equipping the handkerchief would help. Because I was like, maybe if I equip the handkerchief, he'll, like... So he could blow his little nose? Yeah, he'll, well, he could blow his nose, or, like, he could sneeze into it to muffle the sound a bit, so he wouldn't be alerting so many guards. Uh, it didn't help, though. Um, like a, a mad silencer. Uh, what, what else did I try to do with the handkerchief? Oh, also, um, there's a bit where you're in a cell. I know that I'm, like, skipping around a lot in the narrative now, but I just while I'm talking about the handkerchief. That's right. So... The bit where uh, Ocelot is keeping you in a cell and there's a guard outside who's also really poorly, um, which for a while I think that was maybe where I got the cold from. I was like, oh, that's clever if I got it from my guard. But um, he's like not in a good way. I think uh, a little bit poorly is a bit of an understatement for his intestines seem to be coming out of him every five minutes. Yeah, but like also, doesn't he say it's because like Meryl stole his clothes and he was cold so he got ill? Yeah, yeah and I don't really see how that would like, like, pal, you have IBS. Like, that has nothing to do with whether you were outside in the cold for a bit. Like, at first I was like, that's funny, he's sneezing because he got let outside. And Mm -hmm. then things, like you say, really do take a turn for the dark. Um, They take a turn for the explosive. Mm -hmm. And um, another thing that I tried to do was see what would happen if I, like, stood as close to him as I could in the, like, cell and get the handkerchief out. Because I was like, maybe he wants a handkerchief. And maybe he'll be like, oh, yeah, handkerchief, great. You can go now. Yeah, well, not necessarily. I, I, I did figure that you needed to, in order to escape, I eventually figured out that you needed the guard to come into mm-hmm. the cell, probably, or someone, you needed someone to open the door. So I thought maybe if I got out of the handkerchief, he'd be like, oh yeah, great, we really need a handkerchief, and he'd come and open the door to get the handkerchief, and then I could like, I don't know, I didn't really think that far ahead, but <laughs> I thought... You've fallen right into my trap, you've come in, and now I'm, I'm standing here looking at you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so those were the various purposes that I tried to think up for the handkerchief because I was like, this could be a reason for it's still in my inventory. Uh, but it wasn't a lot of help until I got back to the dogs, um, which was the obvious use that I definitely should have thought of right at the beginning. 
Well, I think it's actually, I think it's a testament to you that you tried to help someone first. Well, you tried to help two people. You, you tried to help a, a pearly snake and then you tried to help a, a poor guard. I think that's uh, quite noble of you. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take that, sure. So, yes, yeah, so I went back through the dog cave. And then, oh, um, so I went back into the main building. Oh, I don't know if it's the main building. A lot of this game really relies on you, like, knowing the map quite well. At least knowing what someone means when they say, mm-hmm. like, the communication tower or something like that. Yeah. And I have to say, that is one thing that I'm really, really bad at. I, I could not really tell you which different spaces were. And also, as soon as I get in an elevator and it's like, do you want for a one, basement one, mm-hmm. basement two? And I'm like... I have no idea. I, I've been gone for like 30 seconds and I can't remember what any of those floors look like or what they contain. I'll, uh, I'll back you up with that. I've been playing this game for 15 years and I will. I don't think I've ever got out the right floor in an elevator once. Yeah, right, good. I'm glad I'm not alone. Um, but yeah, so I came back into where you fight uh, Mantis and yeah, I don't know what that room is or what floor it's on or what building it is, but it's that room. It's pretty, it's pretty recognisable. Mm-hmm. And like someone's been in and had a little tidy up, which is nice of yeah. them, but also probably a really depressing cleaning shift to be given. <laughs> I would be gutted if I turned up at work and someone was like, first on there's your a, task list. <laughs> yeah. There's a, a dead gimp in the, the office that you need to go mop up. Yeah, we, we need you to go dispose of a dead ghoul, please. <laughs> what bin do you reckon uh, dead psychics go into? Hmm. It's got to be like. Something akin to medical waste, right? Mm-hmm. Surely. Wouldn't you be? I just, I'd put it in the green one and just fucking leave it for the, the bin man to work out. <laughs> the, like, composting bin? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I bet they do absolutely long for the days of just sorting recycling into, like, metal and plastic and paper. Whoever had that job to do. Mm-hmm. Those jobs where you sort of sort some paper into the right bin and then you, like, spray a bit of Febreze on some cushions. <laughs> and now they have to, yeah dispose of ghoulish psychic gimp bodies well when you agree to you know look after a place and keep it tidy i mean it's kind of it's an unwritten unspoken rule for all janitors that occasionally that will include a body mm-hmm. and also another thing i noticed so i got as i said i'm like really like spatially i have no like recognition no like navigational skills i might ask you to draw me i might ask you to draw me like your map well, i of, think it looks uh, like of shadow moses yeah that would be quite interesting <laughs> Um, but yes, I, I got fairly lost multiple times uh, during this like segment of the game, including like, so I ended up in a bunch of bits that like, I probably didn't really need to see again or not at this point. Right, so um, so off the bat, did you know where you're going? Did you call um, Otacon, I think, tells you where to sniper? Yes, was? yeah. Um, no, I don't think it is Otacon. I think, I think it's a, like, even be Naomi. I think it's someone from Foxhound, I'm sure. Anyway, um, yeah, someone told me to go back to, I can't even remember what it's called. Is it, like, literally just the armory or something like that? And it's near, like... It's in the armory, but it's, like, the second basement of the tank hangar, I think. Yeah, something about tanks. Yeah, it's the big building of the tanks. Yeah, tank hangar, that makes sense. Um, So, yeah, I had to go back and find that. On my way there, I'm pretty sure it was on my way there. Or either that or I got lost in, like, a totally different segment of the game. But, um... At some point, I accidentally ended up, like, back through that, like, gas chamber where you fired on the key to... So, I literally, like, I really went out of my way to get lost because I walked down this long chamber full of gas and, like... So, you kind of went on a greatest hits of your game so far. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and what was interesting about that is, like, you know the hallway just beyond that before uh, you fight the cyborg ninja? And there's, like, bodies everywhere. Um, mm. And that really creepy bit of the game. That hadn't been cleaned up. <laughs> Weirdly enough. Well, I mean, well, you need to get through a gas filled chamber to get to it. The janitor's not fucking like that. <laughs> That's fair enough. At that point, you need to unionise. Absolutely. It's like, you, you, you tell me to access this room, I need to get a fucking remote-controlled missile, guide it through a fucking turret-filled room, destroy a generator, and then fucking, yeah, no. No one's doing that shit. No, no. They're getting, they're getting on the phone to unite and organising a picket line at that point. <laughs> So yeah, I went back through there. I went and found the sniper rifle. I don't, I don't think there's much really... I can't remember if there's much significant that happens really between finding the sniper rifle and coming back again. Just how... I'm not trying to call you out as a gamer here, but like how, um, how proficient do you feel you're getting at just generally getting through an area you've been through without getting spotted? Oh yeah, that's pretty easy. And like, having... The guard's field of view on your mini-map really obviously is also super helpful because there's probably a lot of situations where it would have taken me a long time because I would have just been stood around going, can that guy see me yeah. for like way too long, which I found myself doing in like tons of games 
no matter how many times I've played an area, I'll still like not mm -hmm. be quite sure what um, a guard's line of sight is like. So it's pretty easy when you can like really clearly see what they can and can't recognise and just yeah. like, yeah, run through an area pretty much. Um, like I very rarely feel like I'm doing much stealthy stuff, like in terms of like clinging to walls or mm -hmm. hiding under his box or whatever else. It's usually like, well, I can see that this area is clear. Um, right. So as long as I stay down the middle here or whatever, I can just peg it basically. Yeah. Um, the only time that I do find myself getting quite uncomfortable is if I've slightly misjudged something while I'm waiting for an elevator. Yeah. That makes me panic so, so much. Um, and I often found myself getting really annoyed because I've been convinced that the elevator should still be on the same floor. Like, I'm like, there's no way that someone else... No one else has else... used this. No, no one else has called the elevator. I've been down here for like, literally, half the time I've got out the elevator and gone, mm, this isn't the right floor. And like, gone to call it again. And it's mm. like, no, there's no way it's like up on the whatever, basement two. The worst is, uh, I think it's the new... Uh, the nuclear building there's usually a guy on the balcony right next to the lift just like oh I wonder if I should turn around and look at the lift in the next few seconds and he never quite does but you're always convinced that like, any fucking second he's just going to turn around yeah yeah that stuff does give me like actual like heart palpitations um, but other than that actually like navigating through a level and getting past cameras and stuff is like pretty smooth now do you find that the uh, same stress with getting into elevators in the real world or is that just I tell you what I do get stressed about elevators in the real world is like I have this fear of the door closing and it being like my fault so I will hold the elevator door open for so so long because I hate the idea of like someone like mm -hmm. getting one leg in and it's starting to close and like you know it's not going to close on them but you don't want them to have that then cut their leg off and spray the entire lift in blood and yeah I don't think that I don't, I don't think that <laughs> I literally just don't want them to have that moment of like, you know when you step in an elevator and it starts to close and then obviously the sensors know you're there so it like opens again, but you have that brief split second of like, Ugh! and I just don't <laughs> want another person to have that, so I will like hold my hand over the elevator door for like, like, it's almost passive aggressive. Like, uh, when you said you had like a fear of elevators, I thought it was going to be, you know, like falling, dying, but so it's, it's actually just causing someone minor inconvenience. I hate to be caused minor inconvenience, so I don't want anyone else to go for it either. Uh, that's a that's a, a a pretty great phobia that. Yep, in real life and in the game, I wouldn't say I, as you say, not quite a phobia, but more just like mm. it's just an unpleasant thing to have to deal with mm. in Metal Gear off as as in life. Right, and so yeah, I got back to uh, the sniper area, and then I had to well, the area that Sniper Wolf is in anyway, which is yeah, it is a sniper area because it's so clearly been designed so that she can be like up high on high ground and mm -hmm. have like a really clear view of you like all the time. But um, there's a bit where you get a call and it's like ah, oh, she's like on like the second floor with like a clear view, classic sniper position or something. <laughs> and it's always just as if it's like really clever. Like she must be a tactical genius to have thought to go up some stairs to a balcony. Yeah, like, oh, dastardly. Um, so yeah, I got back to the hall and then I had to do some exchanging of bullets with Sniper Wolf. I have, uh, I have been looking forward to this ever since you uh, DM'd me the words, I fucking hate this in reference to this fight. <laughs> I fucking hate this so much. I hate exactly this. Um, no, I, I like, I'm the sort of person who's so lazy and afraid of messy up close combat but if there's like a sniper class in a game or something similar something like resembling a sniper class in any game i will mm -hmm. usually play as that because it's just super super easy to hang really far back and yeah. like be like well all those enemies are now gone in one shot and i can just go and have a look around in peace now and see what that area looks yeah. like um so i think this was maybe one of the first games where i was like i really hope i never have to use a sniper ever again <laughs> Yeah, so that was unexpected. I was quite looking forward to sniping with sniping mm -hmm. with the sniper, um, but yeah, it didn't it didn't quite deliver the the fun experience. Like basically, the other thing that I like about playing as some sort of sniper class in a game is like I'll admit it's probably a, usually not a very steep learning curve. It's usually a mm. pretty the sort of level of input you have to like put in in order to get something cool to happen is usually pretty minimal it's pretty like you can just kind of pick up and play and it will make you feel really badass and like yeah, really stay skillful. far away point the gun at a guy's head and it will explode and you'll feel very good yeah you'll feel like like really really skillful even if you're not um whereas this game did not make me feel skillful this game made me feel like an idiot um so and like, it made me feel like an idiot child, and I think I'd probably behave like an idiot child while I was playing it, but like, proper, 
Oh, I just had a great idea. I just had a great idea for a uh, klaxon here. It, uh, it could be the Metal Gear Bad on Purpose klaxon. <laughs> when uh, that great defense of whenever this series is shit. So it's like, oh, but is Kojima saying something by making it shit? He's like, no, it's it's definitely shit. Ah, but is he? Are you supposed to feel like an idiot child against this incredibly talented sniper? Oh, I'm, I'm willing to entertain like arguments. If you've got like some classic points about why this bit is purposefully shit, I'm so ready to hear those because I'm absolutely that person who will make that kind of really annoying argument. I'm like, mm, it's not supposed to make you feel comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, yeah, so I did have diazepam. That did help. In the game, yeah. Um, in the game, yeah. Um, I mean, I probably could have done with something to steady my nerves in real life. After about probably the sixth fail, um, where I was probably like throwing the controller about and all sorts, like a proper childish temper tantrum about like, it's not fair that this game is so... <laughs> it's not fair that I can't do this. Fucking hell, so this is your first proper fucking bad fight then? Um... Trying to think how many times I've failed other I feel like there have probably been times that I've I probably failed a couple of times at the Mantis fight, but I think the mechanics of that one were interesting enough that I was kind of happy to see that cool bit again. Like, okay, so I have to play through this again and yeah. I get to see this like neat party trick. Um mm. and so that one I didn't mind too much. I think I definitely I remember the other bit that I really got frustrated about was the Nikita bit with the gassy hallway. Um, yeah, oh, yeah but it's such a simple like short bit of gameplay like it's one of those really short snappy things where it's a very mm. simple concept of like you move it side to side and it goes slow you let it sit for a bit and it goes really fast and you have to steer it so even yeah. though it's quite frustrating and I had to do it a lot of times I think it is quite easy mm. to compulsively play that little bit um, yeah and it could be that you're, that you're not liking the sniper fight it's the same thing and that it's one of the few times when the game's like no 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 you need to do exactly this or you're going to fail yeah because if you fuck up with the sniping it's like well no you're dead it's like well can I no 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 if you don't do this 100% accurately you're, you're fucked and most of, the, most of the bosses there's some leeway mm, mm. But this is uh, the only one where it's like, you know, no, there's only one way to do it, and if you don't do it that way, you're going to get shot in the head. Yeah, yeah, so it was not that fun, I have to say, but uh, I did manage it, and I probably, I think when I did finish it, I, it probably was like a decent sense of actual achievement that I'd done something that did make me feel annoyed and uncomfortable, and, you know, so, yeah, that, I, I mean, I overcame a little bit of adversity there, um, but no, not my, not my favourite. It's not my favourite fight so far. Um, okay, well, I hope you're looking forward to the uh, longer, more drawn-out sniper battle coming up. Oh, yeah, you did mention that there are, like, two sniper wolf fights. And, uh, and again, I was hoping when um, I got the handkerchief, I was like, maybe it has something to do with that. Maybe I'm not going to snipe her. Maybe there's a really clever thing where you're like, got your handkerchief, and somehow we'd avoid sniping at each other. I was like, maybe there's a reason. I was like, yeah, look, I, uh, I found your hack chief. She's like, oh, thank you. We don't have to fight now. Right, yeah. Oh, I'm also carrying, like, Chekhov's ketchup at the moment. <laughs> I assume it's going to come in useful. I mean, the handkerchief did. How did you escape from the cell? Oh, is it for that? There's, another, there's a few ways to escape from the cell. Okay. Right, um, I hid under the bed and while he was in the loose. And then when the guard came back, he figured the cell was empty, opened the door. So I was along the right lines with the handkerchief thing when I thought like the key was getting the guy to be interested enough to come into the room. I also tried something else with the bed because I went under the bed while he was in there and he does comment on it. He's like, what are you doing? And I thought maybe if you did it for long enough or you did it enough times, like he would get so interested and just be like, no, 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 what are you doing? And he would like come in. But um, no, it turns out you have to wait for him to go to the loo and then do it. Um, which is ridiculous because at least in my playthrough he's already seen you do that like five times but then suddenly because he's coming back from the bathroom he's like oh no this time he's vanished like there's no <laughs> way he's just doing that thing that he always does so no this time he's definitely somehow magically just fucking vanished from this room and I definitely need to open it to make sure mm -hmm. yeah that's how I got it so what's the catch up for? need to know oh the catch up for if you equip it and lay down in it it looks like you're bleeding that's good no, no, that is good. Okay, so now I have just got like a dead slot in my inventory. <laughs> a free packet of yeah. ketchup. Great. Oh, fun. I really thought that it would maybe, have. Maybe you're going to find a secret a secret ending that nobody's discovered yet. Maybe. That's true. I can always hold out hope. I'll just try equipping it at like every possible juncture to see if it can be used for anything else. How do you get on with the uh, torture minigame, if uh, that's what you would call it? 
Well, that was real fun. <laughs> the, yeah. the repetitively press the button game. Um, mm. Yeah, the skills that I taught myself from a dog's life finally came in handy, <laughs> which is like, I think probably the only... I love how most people there would be like, yeah, you know, from track and field. It's like, for you, it's like, yeah, you know, from a dog's life. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, track and field, that, that does work. I, I mean, I was trying to think of other games where that have that record. Mm pressing kind of mechanic in it but I, I couldn't think of one other than Dog's Life but no track and field that does work but um but yeah Dog's Life was probably the one that I put far too many hours into um and again yep yep the uh digging holes mini game where you have mm-hmm. to rapidly press to dig holes quicker than the other dogs um do you think it's time uh, do you think it's time for the, us as a culture to revisit uh David Braben's uh groundbreaking dog simulator Dog's Life is incredible like I joke that I put too many hours into it, but at the same time, I would probably like fiercely defend it mm-hmm. um, in in any given situation. Uh, it's such a good little RPG, but they're different. Like instead of classes, you have to have dog breeds, which is brilliant for me when I was a kid because I was such a nerd about like different mm-hmm. dog breeds and like their different abilities or whatever. Um, which does actually perfectly translate to a game, and it's a real shame that that concept hasn't been because yeah. like okay like. A Dog's Life isn't quite an RPG because it has a very um, linear story mm. and like there's not much sort of character customization. That you can basically possess other dogs and explore their abilities for different parts of the game. So like, and this is like pre 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 Mario Odyssey, mm. and they were using that like weird psycho possession mechanic. Are you uh, are you accusing Nintendo of ripping off a Dog's Life? I mean, if if the boot fits. I feel like if a dog's life came out now, it would be fucking huge. Yeah, I, I could definitely imagine that. I think it's one of those games that would have really, really benefited from stuff like Twitter, just because so mm-hmm. many people would be like, yeah, hey, this weird game where... Dog RPG! Dog. Uh... Yeah, right? And I think it probably would have taken off, but it just didn't have... Well, uh, Frontier Developments, if, if you're listening, I think you should cancel uh, Elite Dangerous and get to working on Dog's Life too. Absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. I actually did, um, oh, it was probably about a year or so ago now, no, over a year, probably about a year and a half ago, that I was at an event at Leeds Uni that was about um, studying games and like academics who study games. And, uh, and it was based at the uni and it was all people from different schools there. And I can't remember what department that he was from, but there was a guy there who was like a lecturer, like a professor, like quite senior. And um, he was studying a dog's life, like writing a paper on it. And it was so bizarre because I just had this moment where, like, there was this moment where he didn't, like, announced this to the room and there were, like, blank faces everywhere because people were just like, I guess it was probably a mix of people who had never heard of this game and also people who were just like. And you were, like, immediately like, <laughs> yes. But no, also, this thing like, it's 2016. If you were going to, like, study a dog's life, surely you'd have got around to it. So, you know, it was a really bizarre thing. Wait, I think. I think you told me about this. Was his was his thesis not basically that it was the most re- like scientifically accurate depiction of like the inner working of a dog? I think yeah. I think there was an element of his research that was all about. So the the game has a mode um, called Smellovision, which is where you like go into like first person and you can um, you can see smells basically, and the world's kind of black and white, but you have like smell is like visually represented represented through like different colors so like you can see where different dogs would be and stuff and um yeah he was looking into i think how accurate this would be or how whether this was a good model for how to think about like a dog's experience and like you know the closest that we could get to like embodying something like that so it was all about like animal studies and like does this guy have a book yet i mean i hope so i absolutely would um but yeah, so I'm not the only person in the world who's obsessed with a dog's life, and is constantly trying to work it into conversations. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, we were doing a a better Gasola podcast, weren't we? Yeah, yeah, I think we were. Um, oh shit! Oh, I guess if we have to go back to that. Yep, yeah, I mean another game with a first person mode and dogs. Mm-hmm. That was a fucking incredibly good little seek there. Well done. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, so where were we? We were oh we were being tortured. That's where we were. Um, yeah, that was really really not fun. Um, what I really really don't like about that um, mechanic is the fact that 
it's it's one of a few things where I think you get worse at it the more that you do it. Well, yeah, just for natural strain. Right, yeah, your like finger just sort of, sort of goes a bit numb, basically, um, and you're sort of your brain is still telling it go 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 really fast, but you can like feel it like tapping that button like once every fifteen seconds. I was actually wondering if you had an easier time doing it on a... Are you using a keyboard just now, or, or does your... No, no, I'm using, um, like, a PS4 controller. Oh, wow, so you didn't tap out then? I actually, I think... So, here's the thing. I It was one point in the game where I was really, really happy to have quick save. Right. Because, <laughs> like... He's constantly like, there are no saves now, no continues, and oh, you have you to go back and fire. fail. And so, because of that... I was just like I would make a point of like quick saving at different points in the like conversation. Anytime you mentioned it, like mid sentence, I'm like, cheeky little quick save there. Um, That's amazing. But yeah, also uh, like I have multiple like quick save slots mapped to like different buttons, and I'm really bad at keeping track of like which save I'm using because I'll usually just panic and press like a quick load (laughs) and be like, where does this drop me? Fine. I think in one of them I did tap out just mostly because I wanted to know what happened. Like Mm -hmm. it was part of. Because I was in this cycle of going back to the cell, having to wait ages, not being sure how to get out of the cell, and going back to the interrogation room, and having to do this, like, awful, awful, um, like, rapid button pressing minigame. And so I think I was like, well, maybe you have to submit. Like, maybe that's how you progress. Maybe you submit, and he, like, uncuffs you, and then you, like, slap him or something. I don't know. Um, So I did submit at one point, but I'm not sure if I'm playing in a save slot where I submitted or if I'm playing in one where I didn't. Um, you, You will find out. So does it have... Yeah, I was going to say, does it have a... It has dire repercussions. Okay, I'll, I'll keep you posted yeah. if I hear anything. That's interesting. Okay, that, I was wondering about that, so, uh, yeah. Bye. It has big, big repercussions, and, uh, well, we already know what's going to happen to you now, so that's quite interesting. Okay, well, that's that's super rubbish. Like, <laughs> I quite like, um, I, I'm still loving um, Ocelot being, there are no continues here, and you're like, well, actually, excuse you, I'm in 2017, <laughs> and uh, I'm using a ROM technology, Blick, Yeah, yeah. It was like, um, yeah, it was my one little rebellion against the, the narrative voice of God, mm. um, which felt real, real good. But yeah, it's so, I've obviously only played this, well, not even once through yet, partway through, um, so I wouldn't know. But it's Metal Gear Solid, a game that has a lot of branches in the narrative, a lot of like actions that have repercussions, or is it quite limited? Um, you know, usually there's usually an issue game. There's, there's like usually like a few minor like little funny okay. things that might happen if you do something or have like a certain item. Uh, Metal Gear Solid One is the only one that has uh, two different endings. Okay, and those are mapped to whether you submit or not. Uh, yeah. So like yeah, so the biggest kind of uh, the biggest kind of narrative branch of the game is dependent on like the worst mechanic. Uh, and it's not signposts, is it? It's not like well, snake. Depending on what you do here, you're going to get a completely different ending. No. It's like, no, it's just it's just a fun little game. And it's also just like exactly like the bit where you're like, well, if there's an option to skip this terrible bit, I'm absolutely going to do that. And I guess maybe again, there's another argument for like it's bad on purpose um, because yeah, yeah, you're supposed to be wanted to tempt it to be tempted to submit. But um, yeah, it's really really rubbish. Oh, I think it's gonna be quite fun to not game it and just see if you can't exactly remember what save you're on. Uh, mm, mm, interesting. Yeah, as you say, we'll, we'll find out sooner rather than later. Um, the other thing that really made me chuckle about that bit, so that's another bit where it's very, very heavy on the fourth wall breaking, and um, including him being like, there are no continues, like, if you fail here, you know, if you die in the game, you die in real life, basically. <laughs> Um, but also before that, just after you beat Sniper Wolf, there's this bit where it's like, um, like, you know, when games start giving you a lot of health and ammo and you're sort of a little bit like, like, hang on a sec, like something tells me, something something tells me the dev team weren't just in a generous mood when they were like designing this Mm. level. Well, like, imagine that, but it's one of your mates calling you to be like, hey snake, you know what I love? Saving my game. (laughs) <laughs> love, love to save my game. I feel so good when I conscientiously take a moment and save all of my good, good progress. Because <laughs> that's pretty much what mailing does. <laughs> I was just calling you. Yeah. Yeah, I was just calling call to say that I was just in a mood that, you know how I can save for you? It's like, I could, I could do that now. I don't know why I have a feeling you might want to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think to my mind that's the only part so far that Mailing has done that. Um, yeah. Because I kind of had forgotten about it's that bit like, of the game. Because um... uh, obviously, as you say, I'm using my like quick saves, and like I don't have that functionality. I can't. I'm missing out on all those good little Mailing interactions. Yeah. 
So I'd kind of almost forgotten that she was there, to be honest, until she popped up oh. and was like... So that was why it was so striking as well, because I uh, haven't really seen much of her, but at this point in the game, she suddenly popped up and was like, how about a little save? Um, My uh, favourite example of uh, that is still uh, The Last of Us. When you get through well, the first two hours of The Last of Us, like, yep, this is good, this is this is game of the year, there's some interesting stuff happening. And then about two hours in, you just come into a little, little bit, it's like, and you see your first kind of room full of chest-high walls, you're like, oh, that's right. It's a video game. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, um, another bit of dialogue that really made me laugh. I think it's I think it's just before Sniper Wolf. I'm sure it's before Sniper Wolf where he's like talking to her. Or maybe it's maybe it's when she appears uh it must be when she appears with Ocelot in the little torture room and they're having a little like back and forth and she's talking about how, you know, how they've still got beef that's unsettled and uh and he says something like, Oh, I'll die after I kill you <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's just this really weird moment of like managing expectations <laughs> like oh yeah i will die definitely i'm gonna die a whole bunch but you know after i kill you <laughs> Yeah, it's like a, a, a really kind of a reserved threat. It was, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like, I'm definitely going to murder you, but I probably won't get away with it and you might get me back, but it's going to happen. You mm. wait and see. <laughs> And there's another bit in that room with Ocelot. Um, this is after she's like left and she does her weird thing. Or no, Ocelot says a weird thing about how she falls in love with people that she's sniping or something like that. And um, and then Ocelot makes this weird argument about how like his situation is so much worse because he's not a prisoner of war. Like you're not a prisoner of war, you're a hostage, and therefore like. His argument is more or less like, therefore, laws aren't a thing. Like, yeah, but buddy, like, if you still, if you torture me, like, it's still torture. Like, if you kill me, like, it's still murder. He makes this weird distinction about how because he's not a prisoner of war, like, all bets are off. And I mean, I'm sure he would make a great solicitor if he's able to, like, get that finicky about, like, semantics. But it's sort of like, buddy, like, murder is still a thing that you can't do and like torture is like most places have laws generally against murder and torture not just for prisoners of war it's not like i'm just in morrison's and someone comes up to me and they're like <laughs> buddy you're not a prisoner of war so like i'm just gonna like deck you with this pineapple like that's not how it works <laughs> like people still have to behave in a certain way towards each other but um so that was a weird like justification that he gave that kind of just I mean I wonder if like you know when someone tells you something like a friend who's like almost like an urban legend or something like um I can't think of an example but it'd be something like oh you know if you go to this store and do this like they have mm -hmm. to give you a free something or money off or something and so people just like go throughout their lives feeling much more secure because they believe this to be true do you think someone's just told that to ocelot like oh like do you know if someone's a prisoner if, unless you're a prisoner of war there just aren't laws and he's sort of taking that in it's like that sounds great and it's sort of like now just repeating that as his own little weird like mm -hmm. like just, just i guess it's days before slopes.com existed <laughs> but anyway this seems to be something that the guy believes to be true and it seems to help him do his job um mm -hmm. of well uh, we all have these little mantras that we you know tell ourselves uh, to get through the day. Right, sure. Who hasn't? Who hasn't had that? Yep, sure. Yeah, so, um, Snake definitely fucks. For sure. Because immediately after he gets tortured, he has to, like, ring up his pal and be like, can you make me less horny? While he's in his cell, he does this little phone call with Naomi. Where he, I think he says, like, he asks her to lower something in his blood because it's like, I don't want to be frisky. And it's a snake buddy pal. Like, you've just got this really fucked up situation with, like, electrical torture and a sniper lady who falls in love with all the men she wants to kill and who definitely wants to kill you. And you're like, it's the blood. The blood is making me horny. Please, Naomi, sort out the blood. <laughs> It's definitely, it's not me. I would never be horny. I've never been horny in my life. I, I, I dare you. Naomi. I refuse. This is definitely biology. I've got, I've got a horny disease. So. <laughs> so yeah, Snake definitely fucks, but he doesn't want to, is the point. Snake does not fuck. We'll get into this. Later. Okay. All right, fine. I'll take you up for it. Yeah, adamantly. Did we, 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 I think we already said we were going to have like an entire special on uh, whether or not Snake fucks. All right, fine. I'll start, uh, I'll start building up my own defense in defense of Snake being horny. <laughs>
could be a fucking killer at one. Oh, that could be our guest uh, show. We could uh, go on Twitter and see who's on team does not fuck and team does fuck and we get some guests on okay all right all right but we can't be ganging up now like we'd have to probably have two guests yeah. on because i can't be the only like if there's someone else who's like snake does not fuck i can't be the only one here being like snake wants to be frisky um <laughs> we have a guest each you can have you can have a pro snake fucking guest and i'll have a snake does not fuck guest fab great okay as long as it's balanced Oh, I do um, beat up a helicopter. Yeah, yeah. So that's the most recent thing I did um, with my brother. Um, Your brother? Who will not let me. My brother, who will not let me go any further. It's crazy that the other guy, who is also called Snake, is also Snake. <laughs> Bet you didn't see that shit coming. <laughs> well, I don't know, like, was the British accent supposed to be like a red herring where you're like... Well, he can't possibly be related, he's British. Oh, wow, I can't believe they're related because he sounds like that. Because he tells me that he's my brother and that, that I cannot come any farther. <laughs> I don't know what your liquid impression is, but I'm, 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 a, I'm a huge fan of it. <laughs> it's more like fucking Transylvanian than like... I think actually it was, I think I've muddled myself because, um, because he kept shouting stuff about being your brother and because eventually, brother. Sna- yeah, right. Because even eventually, um, Snake is like, why do you keep calling me that? <laughs> like, as obvious as it is at that point, even Snake's like, all right, yeah, but you're like, it's wearing thin now. Like you're getting carried away. But anyway, I think I bottled myself up because, um, yeah, I think I just started doing, like, a few Clockwork Orange impressions as well. Um, right. Like, oh, my brother. But, um, and again, <laughs> I've confused myself again because that wasn't really a Clockwork Orange impression. But either way, the two of, like, like, Alex and Liquid Snake have melded Same into person. one in my head now. And I don't think, yeah, exactly. I don't think I could do an impression of one without it sounding like the other and vice versa. Um, you're going to love this. Uh, if you're a fan of people shouting, brother, you're going to be a, a big fan of this franchise I can tell you fab that sounds great like from now on it's roughly every 15-20 minutes until the end of <laughs> Metal Gear Solid 5 ideal um, so yeah I did do that that was quite a nice segment actually like after a couple of frustrating bits like the torture mm-hmm. scene and the uh, sniper wolf section it was nice to do something that was like straightforward um, yeah. and quite fun and quite satisfying um, mm-hmm. and just generally it's like yeah I'll hold the missile over the helicopter until it turns red and then shoot that helicopter a few times until it's not shooting you anymore. Yeah. And no, like, I guess it's a, it's a really good, like, big blockbuster bit after, like, lots of uh, it is. quiet yeah. mm. So that was pretty nice. Um, oh, and I, I saw my buddy Otacon again. Oh, that's good. Piss boy. Yeah. Yeah, piss boy. I do wonder if he's, like, upset that he doesn't get... Like, he's on this, like, uh, compound with all these people who have these cool, like, animal names. Even mm-hmm. the guy who's coming to save him has, like, this cool animal name. And I do wonder if he's just there, like, no, nothing for me. Like, I can't, can't even be, like, computer weasel. It's short for otaku convention. <laughs> but, you know, I saw him again. And, oh, in that, like, elevator area slash staircase area that has, like, it's not really music. It's sort of just, like, a little bit of sound design because it's not, like, yeah, it's not very musical. It's just sort of, like, this very mechanical yeah. humming sound and also dogs barking like but really distorted barking did you uh, have a little discussion when you're in the elevator with Otacon? we did we did and we can get there but let me just say i was not like i was not in the mood to be like receptive to like this is a really funny Otacon scene this is gonna be great and adorable and charming i was not in the mood to be receptive because of that horrible distorted dog barky mechanical humming sound which had filled me with dread like, I can't explain how frightened I was by those right. sounds. And I know that, like, there was the bit in the hot corridor that I remember I said that I also mm. found the sounds really frightening. But that bit there was really, like, I don't know. I say it was just me, but I found it super, super disturbing. Yeah, no, there's, there's, there's lots of points about this franchise that do veer into being a little bit of a horror game. Mm-hmm. But it was purely the sound. Like, all I was doing was walking up and downstairs, like, yeah. and it was all fairly empty and stuff. But for some reason, I was absolutely full of dread because of those sounds. And, um, like, I was playing it in the middle of the day, and I still had that, like, instinct of, like, I have to go and turn every light on in the house, and then I'll be safe. Um, but I did that. And then, um, and then I spoke to Otacon about the lift, and we did have a lovely exchange. Um, and it really did lift my spirits out of the, like, hellhole that that... Lift your spirits. Sense. <laughs> lift, um, lift your spirits. It's a good one. It's a good one. 
Um, but uh, yeah, and he put forward a very interesting question. I'm sure you can guess which one it was that really <laughs> caught my interest. Yeah. Yeah. Sean, um, I don't know, do you know? I don't know what you think about this, or if you have an opinion, but... I've been thinking a lot recently about whether or not love can bloom on the battlefield. (laughs) What do you think? Can love bloom on a battlefield? Can love bloom on a battlefield? Oh, I really hope it can. (laughs) I hope snake fucks. (laughs) You hope snake fucks ought to come? Yeah. Well, um, no, it was just... I mean, maybe, like, I don't know how that scene is supposed to be (laughs) read... Because, like, he also says about how he really likes Sniper Wolf, and I was like, oh, this isn't going to be, like, a whole thing where, like, I don't know, you're trading bullets with Sniper Wolf, and suddenly Otacon appears, and it's like, I love her, I must protect her, or something like that. I don't know if that's a thing that happens. You, uh, you more or less just predicted the next part of the game. <laughs> so, um, well, yeah, because they have this whole conversation about how, like, yeah, you can fall in love with women under, like, whatever circumstance, but you have to protect them even when you're at war. Um, which I guess I sort of was like, well, that could be just him being guilty about Meryl, or, mm-hmm. yeah, or that. Um, or, you know, the nice lady who likes dogs and therefore must be a nice person. It could have been that. Um, but it was just the way it was delivered. It really did sound like we were supposed to think that he developed some feelings for yeah. our, our, our boy Snake. That, it was just kind of like, a, he was like testing the ground, seeing as a so Snake, are you, uh, anyone... Yeah, what do you Anyone going on just now? Think about this. Yeah. Like, like asking for a friend. Then. <laughs> I guess I just imagined it like a, a Yahoo Answers thing. It's like, uh, not me, but a friend of mine was wondering if love can bloom on the battlefield. <laughs> I might do that next time I'm in the lift with perfect strangers, just out of fucking nowhere in pure silence, just go, huh, do you think love can bloom on the battlefield? You stare at them, they're fucking moving or saying anything else until the lift gets to where it's going. Who do you think in Metal Gear Solid would have the most top-rated answers on Yahoo Answers? Um, oh, probably... I can imagine Otacon having lots of, like, really weird dating questions. Okay, right, right, right. Yeah, but, like, you, I don't actually know how it works, but I'm assuming... Because you, when you go on it, you see, um, like, the top-rated answer, and I'm assuming there must be, like, a point system, right? Yeah. To, like encourage people to actually be help, like helpful and like mm. oh if you get top answer then I don't know your account I don't know gets more points or your account's more visible I have no idea how it could I think work. I think the asker probably selects of all the answers they've given like which one was the most useful yeah yeah but I mean like there must be like an incentive to mm. not be a post useful answers so like I don't like what reddit has carver and stuff like yeah. that to encourage you to like post good content I imagine there's like a similar system for Yahoo answers that's like this person's posted like, you get a point for everyone who votes your answer useful or something. I, don't, I could just Google this and check rather than taking up, like, ten minutes of a Metal Gear Solid podcast. But anyway, if there is a system like the one that I've just completely made up, um, I reckon Miller, I reckon he'd have really good, like, numbers. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, uh, you'll find that the uh, East Alaskan Windfell uh, hibernates for Often finds love on the battlefield. <laughs> Love can be found on the battlefield, and it's really good for soups, stocks. So yeah, we had that little touching exchange, and then I went out to fight a helicopter. Do you reckon that's like a common thing in like in the army in general, like where there's like army dudes just sitting around on break? They're just like, lads, do you reckon? Do you reckon love can bloom in the battle? Um, do I think that people in the army often ask each other questions along those lines so you're not saying like necessarily do you think that's a common question mm-hmm. but just that that's like the level of discourse that goes on um yeah. probably not like i don't think that metal gear solid is like a documentary as such what i don't know like you know how deep into his research coach got when he was writing the dialogue <laughs> well i think he went it's like okay well i'll find out how they hold guns properly and then i'll find out whether or not they ask each other about love okay right so those are like you know in his like literature review or whatever that he wrote before mm. he started writing it those were the two like main lines of inquiry and clearly he yeah. found out that they do so there's your answer would it be in the game if it wasn't real exactly there's nothing in that game so far that isn't real life true true so yeah so we found out that real soldiers often ask each other questions like that and then we fought a helicopter and that's basically where i am right now um the lift has mysteriously started working again in that room with all the horrible sounds so i guess that's where i have to go next and um really kind of i don't think there's much that i like that i want to do less than go and find out what was going on with that lift and 
where it's mm. going to take me. I tell you what, just to just before we do like the next chunk for the next episode, I want you after we've fin- we finished recording this, just for my own entertainment, could you do me a big favor and could you just go very quickly into the lift and then DM me about like what happened? <laughs> That's made me want to go into the lift so much less. <laughs> Oh, just please, just do it for me, it's my birthday. Alright, fine, fine, we'll do that. Okay, well that's good. Uh, well, I think that's all the Metal Gear we played. Yeah, yeah. Cool. It's time for a seek into the next segment. So, I've been mining Kojima's Twitter page for, like, essentially just... So, Ayako's been a little bit slack on the Hideo Kojima Today posts. And we obviously need a really quality picture of Coach if we're going to, like, do that segment any justice. So I did have a look on his page as well because I was like, maybe he has some cool pictures of himself and what he's been up to and him with his buddy Mads and whatever else. Um, what I did find instead is that he's really, really, really into sandwiches. And I don't know if I oh, yeah. hadn't noticed this before or if it just if it just took me, like, seeing those posts in such quick succession as mm-hmm. happens when you click Hideo Kojima's media tab. Yeah, I feel like, well, obviously he's a, a bit of a foodie anyway. I mean, he, he, I can't think of any meal he's eaten that he hasn't photographed first. But uh... Right, definitely. But do we think, so when I say that he loves sandwiches, I mean like convenience store, mm. like Tesco meal deal sandwiches, mm-hmm. like in a little triangle shaped box. Do we think that that's a foodie thing, traditionally, to be that into? And well, like, he's not... They look like very... He's not tightening them up. He's not taking them out of the packet and, like, putting them on a plate and doing a little bit of garnish and, like, you know, tighten them up a bit. Well, uh, it's I just know you've, pictures. I know you've researched the sandwich place a little bit, but they look a little bit fancier than uh, your box standard uh, W.H. Smith, Jamie Oliver's chicken BLT fucking sandwich thing. That's true. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of protein in these sandwiches. Right, I don't know if our listeners are really familiar with uh, Kojima's sandwich taste. I just assume But let me are. tell you, they are... They are very specific, um, and by that I mean that there's a particular shop that he seems to go to, or it seems to be a favourite anyway. I've seen him eat sandwiches from other places, I'll admit, but as as a rule, and I'm just looking up now because I know, right, it's a, it's a word and word form that name, and I know what the two words are, but I have to get the order correct. Right. Here we go, I've got it. Right, it's Blossom and Bouquet. Mm sandwich cafe is where he always goes and these sandwiches are like 90 percent protein like big old pieces of like katsu chicken and pork and stuff and like i'm pretty sure one of them was like breaded hamburger in bread as well i haven't eaten i haven't actually eaten for a while so this this segment might be a bit tough for me to get through oh yeah no like 30 seconds on koja's like media tab makes me hungry on any given day no matter how recently i've eaten mm-hmm. even if it's like just pictures of mad it's like yeah i'm fucking starving there absolutely, absolutely. um my favorite thing is that so many of these pictures of these blossom and bouquet sandwiches mm-hmm. are like taken like he's arranged them as I, you know i said that he doesn't really arrange them as in i mean he didn't like take the sandwich out of the plate and put some garnish on it but he does like arrange his shot where he's very specific about like you know what aesthetic he wants to mm-hmm. present around lunchtime and it's usually this format he seems to be a fan of like uh of like glossy tables and, yeah like, very kind of like uh 90 degree angles and sharp kind yeah, of yeah and Shapes and a very brand. specific kind of set dressing and that set dressing will be mm-hmm. two sandwiches one coffee and just a shit ton of Hannibal merchandise like every time I'm not talking about like like right now I'm looking at one picture in particular where he's got what appears to be a breaded hamburger sandwich and then another one that looks like katsu chicken like half a katsu chicken sandwich and then the other half is like an egg salad kind of deal um, and then Behind that, we've got the art and making of Hannibal, the television series. I believe that's what it's called. Which is a book I think he's got about three fucking copies Yeah, he's also point. definitely got one called Feeding Hannibal that's, like, specifically about the food in the show, I guess, and, like, how they tart up the plates and stuff. Um, and that's another yep. favourite where he, like, he'll have this, like, breaded meat and then, like, feeding Hannibal. And it's, like... It's a really weird combination, but not only that, my favourite thing about it is that somehow, I don't quite know how this has happened, but when you look up Blossom and Bouquet Sandwich Cafe on Yelp, 
which of course I have. Um, it started to like feed in pictures from Kojima's Twitter feed into like the Yelp. It's not that like Koja's left a review and like attached some photos. There's only one review on there. And actually, I'm gonna get it on now because because I haven't probably looked there. So it's not Koja four, four and a half stars saying well, gave me the energy I need to uh, make video game masterpiece Death Stranding. Right. No. As far as I know, it's not. The review is in Japanese. So I might like put it through a quick translator just in case. It actually does say like, hi, it's me, Hideo Kojima, here to talk to you about sandwiches. Um, but I don't think that's the case. But instead, what they do have is like a little feed of pictures that includes pictures of their sandwiches next to books about Hannibal, Hannibal the Cannibal. And uh, I'm like, I'm just wondering how happy they are that that's their online presence now. Like, Yeah, are they not familiar with the concept of that show? Like, it looks like a pretty classy establishment. And I just... I feel as though somewhere like that maybe actually does have a comms team or maybe they've got someone who comes in for like a day a week, you know, and tries to like, tries to like piggyback on a popular hashtag or like, you know, does some like SEO stuff and wants to get like, you know, their menu or something like that appearing a little bit higher Mm. in the search results. And they're just fighting every day against this tide of weird Kojima pictures where it's like, it's like their sandwiches next to a guy a picture a really high-res glossy picture of Mads Mackelson dabbing blood off of his face <laughs> I just I do quite like the idea that Mads Mikkelsen is making this poor sandwich shops like social media in terms of life just a living nightmare fantastic actually reminds me of um yeah it does seem a weird thing to try to just have cannibalism kind of tied to your brand as a sandwich shop being mm-hmm. kind of any the last thing you want to be thinking when you're tucking into a lovely bit of meat is oh imagine if this was a person's leg right i mean that's that is definitely the implication of all of these pictures mm-hmm. like i know that generally like i could forgive one picture like that because i know that kojima loves hannibal and it could just be that he's on his lunch break and you know he's having his katsu sandwich and he happens to be reading a book about hannibal because he's a fan and that's what he does and maybe mm-hmm. for him you know he's got quite a strong stomach it's not necessarily going to put him off of his lunch and then he's like oh I'll take a quick picture and the book happens to be there but it's when you're doing this like three four five times that yeah you're really reinforcing a message and that message is mm-hmm. like fuck I wish this katsu was people <laughs> Reminds me, there's a cinema I go to with my friend that's like right next to a place called uh, The Meat House, which is like some of the best steaks and burgers you'll, uh, you'll get. And there was a time when every single film we went to go see for like a few months was had some cannibalism in it. Mm. And so we'd sit there, what was it? It was um, Bone Tomahawk, which has a guy being split down the middle. And then like 15 minutes after, me and my friend was like, ah, a rare burger, please. And then... <laughs> Uh, Neon Demon, that was the one we saw after that. Again, <laughs> cannibalism heavy. And uh, it's kind of surprising. It does actually get you in a little bit of a mood for a nice bit of meat. So they might actually be onto something. It's not so much eating a human being. It's more, oh, look at all this delicious meat. General, generic meat I'm seeing. I'd love to eat some of this. I mean, I, I get it. Like, I have watched episodes of Hannibal and felt, like, my tummy rumbling afterwards. And that's purely because, like, Hannibal has this, like, super stylist super stylized thing going on where like none of them yeah none of their people look like people if you know what I mean not by the time they're going in someone's garb anyway and like it's always mm. like they yeah it's like something really delicious like some carpaccio or something I mean it's people carpaccio sure but it looks like <laughs> just regular carpaccio you're not gonna turn down and he's a fucking good cook you're not gonna turn down a fucking top class carpaccio just because it happens to have a little fucking bit of people in it right sure um and then, like, um, there's always some sort of, like, innuendo that is said at the table. And that's the only thing that clues you in. It's like, oh, it's not regular carpaccio, it's people carpaccio. <laughs> and it will usually be something really, like, awful. Like, um, like, so I'll be like... I-, I love having my friend for dinner. Right, right. Or it'll be some... His guest is like, oh, the last time I had carpaccio, I was seeing my friend Robin and then Hannibal will be like I also saw Robin when I made this carpaccio or something it's like it's not even they're not even like necessarily double entendres or anything like that or like puns it's usually just him like the steak was a like human <laughs> he could literally be like the, the, the how stupid the fuck are in that show he could literally be like haha yes I murdered a man and turned him into these chicken cujons <laughs> <laughs> what a funny dinner time discussion. You're so fucking car- you're so fucking wonderful, Hannibal. <laughs> I'm fairly sure I saw that episode. Like, I'm pretty sure. 
that's the point they've got to because there's like a dinner party every episode in that of that show and like it, mm-hmm. I get it like it's someone's job to sit down and be like well what joke is Hannibal gonna make this time about how yeah like the they're like bacon lardons are like human lardons and like it does get to a point where you're like maybe he just says that the bacon lardons are human lardons and then we're like like, "Ah." fine we can run it it's not worse than the one we used last week yeah well here is i've just remembered um i can't remember if it was on the blu-ray but i think it might have been like a youtube trailer there was a one of these like you know their um american networks when they have like a next time on hannibal like 15 second cut of like the next one to see it's always like usually like all these fast cuts and like dramatic music and like the screen will like flash and like oh shit next week on AMC, uh-huh. nine central. It was for the episode where um oh I've forgotten everybody's name in Hannibal. It's the episode where Lawrence Fishburne kind of tricks Hannibal into like giving him a canopy and like a little baggie to take home with him. With the whole being I'm not going to yeah. analyze this for human. But in the uh, right. I, saw, I caught like a, a next time on and it was for that one, and the way they like. I'd cut that bit, it was so fucking funny. It had like a dramatic black and white zoom in on the canopy going into a little baggie. So like, can I have one of these canopies to take home please? Like da 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 Like canopy going into a baggie. Oh man. They should use those as like the next time shots and like come down with me. Yeah, because you know, it's like you as the viewer understanding just how big a deal it was that oh shit, he's finally got one of these canopies to fucking take home and analyze. I like to try and to find that. At what point though? At what point, though, when you mm-hmm. suspect that your canapes might be people, do you stop eating them? Or at what point do you just not want to know? Like, if you're already in the position of, like, mm-hmm. I've been to this guy's house loads of times. Like, like if I've even got a suspicion that 20% of the times I've been here it was people, like, I still wouldn't fucking want to know. I just, I just, you know, turn down the Facebook invite next time he's having <laughs> a party well, and that would just be it. It was like the whole uh, Tesco horse meat thing. It's like after the fact, it's like, well, eh, I might have eaten horse meat. I mean, not much I can do about it there. Right. Um, so that's exactly what Kojima's sandwich tweets are like. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad we got to the. Uh, is there anything else you're inferring from Kojima's sandwich obsession? Do, do, do you feel like we could. Uh, well, I personally feel like we could talk about this for at least another four hours. I found a man who was tweeting about Kojima's favourite sandwich cafe because I really did do a deep dive on. Blossom and Bouquet. Are you going to be... Um... And I found someone else's tweet where he'd been there for lunch and he also had Kojima's exact glasses. And it really freaked me out because I really felt like... Like, I've been... I've been listening to a lot of the old murder podcasts lately. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this guy's going to murder Kojima. For real. Like, <laughs> first it's the glasses and then it's the sandwiches. And then, like, you know, maybe he gets a job at his studio or something. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, it's never going to be enough for this guy. Because it's always going to be, gonna be real enough. Computer. Right, exactly. So I'm, I'm pretty worried about that. Um, okay. I think that's it. I think that's holy shit. Have all we my just turned Roger Duff into a murder podcast. <laughs> oh, I would love to do a murder podcast. I wish I knew more about murder, but well, there's only one way to find out. Yeah. Read lots about the subject. Yeah, yeah. Well, I could just yeah, keep an keep an eye on that guy's Twitter feed. Yep. See how things go. Holy shit! If that turns out, if he ends up killing Kojima, I'll well, first I'll be a bit sad because Death Stranding probably won't come out. But secondly, I'll just be fucking really excited because we'll have accidentally launched a murder podcast. Right. I mean, silver linings to every cloud. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to Mel Gear. <laughs> <laughs> Kojima's definitely going to be um... murdered within the next three to four weeks. <laughs> uh, which is a shame because, oh, we didn't celebrate uh, Metal Gear Solid being 30, 30 years old. Aww. Yeah. yeah. We're not the ones we're playing because uh, we didn't play the originals because they're really old. But that means they're probably quite bad. So how old, how old are our Metal Gear Solid games? Our Mogasod games are 20 years old? Just okay, no. So, 10 more years, and then we'll get to, you know, Do a celebrate it for real without yeah. being like charlatans. Celebrate the good one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we won't be posers next time. Next time we say happy day, anniversary. Well, I think we covered some decent Metal Gear. We uh, talked about Dog's Life for about 20 minutes, talked about Yahoo Answers for 20 minutes, talked about um, Hannibal for 20 minutes, talked about Metal Gear for about 5 minutes, I think. Yeah, those are some good vital statistics. Yeah, excellent. Well, I mean, honestly, I mean, the the less that we can talk about Metal Gear Solid during this podcast, the better, really. But um, next week, I get to talk about what I find in that elevator. Well, I'm fucking, I'm looking forward to finding out about that in the next fifth, uh, next ten to fifteen minutes, to be honest. <laughs> okay, yeah, but for everyone else, that'll be next month. Definitely um, next month. And when maybe... you hear this, when well, you hear it, not Anna. Anna, you can hear this now because we're recording it. But you, lis- listener. 
the day that you're hearing this. Well, no, no, because you might have downloaded it the day after. Whatever month, this is a monthly podcast now. That's my point. Yeah, monthly podcast. Yeah. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll even find out if I if I did surrender to torture or not. Yeah, and hopefully we can get to the bottom of whether or not love can bloom in a battlefield. Right, yeah. So lots lots of mysteries to be uncovered. We should definitely come back. We can uh, get to the bottom of love on the battlefield. We can get to the bottom of who murdered Hideo Kojima. It's, uh, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, yeah, so. So once again. Tell your friends. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> tell your friends. So uh, let's see, for the next time you are going to beat up, get to disc 2, there we go, that's an easy one to remember, or rom, rom.20.rom, sure. oh, whatever it is that you're using. Yeah, well yeah, I'll find a solution right, okay. and uh, do it. yeah, we'll do that for next time, okay? Once again, I've been I've been Sean Casey. I had a I had a good old time there. Uh, Anna, did you have a a, a shtick about? I leaving did, podcasts? but I haven't thought of one. Wait, can you let me give me a sense to think of one, and then can you like tee me up again? But let yeah, me. Yeah, okay, I can tee you up. All right, 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 right. Let yeah, and I'll edit out all of you coming up with it probably. Unless okay. it's really funny, in which, in which case I'll probably leave it. Well, it probably won't be. It's it's gonna be me silently looking around the room for like okay. films or books. I'll or give you funny. All right, I think I've got one. I've got one. Once again, I've been Sean Casey. I had a, I had a crack in all time. Um, well, I've been Sean Casey. I've been your host of Metal Gear Guff with my co-host. And I've been Nigel Slater. Thanks again, Nigel. Uh, we'll see you again next time. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye.